So I have a nine-year-old son, but when he was around five years old, uh, I wanted to teach him to ride a bike. I, maybe it was six, maybe it was seven, uh, because Isaiah is kind of a cautious boy, and so he doesn't like to jump into things because he's afraid of getting hurt. Me, I have a different personality. I've always jumped into things. I've always leapt before thinking. And so I, I kind of want to push. I just much more like my wife, Janice. So I want to push him. I want him to take risks. Um, and he just doesn't. Um, so at the age of seven, I'm like, oh, it's time for you to learn how to ride a bike. All the kids in the neighborhood are riding bikes. They want to ride a bike. You, you want to ride a bike. You want to know how. And so we went out to the street, and the way that I learned how to ride a bike was just trial and error, right? So my dad, actually, we'd go to a big hill, and he'd just push me down the hill. And I'd be going for a while, but then we'd build up speed. I wouldn't know how to stop. It was like my first time in skiing. How do I stop? I'm going really fast. I don't know how to stop. And so uh, I would just crash. Or, you know, I would just slide on my... And that's how I learned. Just pick the bike back up and go down the hill again until you learn how to pedal, until you learn how to stop. Trial and error. And a little skin, right? Uh, so with Isaiah, I, you know, I'm not that mean. And it's a different day and age in terms of parenting and children. And so uh, we took him to a nice flat street, a nice neighborhood where there are no cars. And I ran with him the bike and the whole time he's like dad don't let go don't let go you promise you're not gonna let go you promise you're not gonna let go and I'm like I won't let go son trust me I won't let go I, I wouldn't lie right I'm a pastor trust me you better not let go dad I'll never trust you again you better not let go you're my daddy and so we run we run and he starts pedaling and he's getting confidence and so as soon as I feel that balance and that momentum kicking in I had to let go right and he's going he's going but my mistake was to be like go Isaiah right and he hears me not right beside him but way behind him and he starts looking around and freaking out and all of a sudden the handlebars get wobbly and he just busts right and he skids and he's got this big like bloody elbow and like scraped up knee and I'm thinking about how am I going to explain this to Janice and and he gets up and he's like, so pissed, right? Dad, I trusted you. I'm never going to learn how to ride a bike again. I don't want to do it again. And, uh, and that's the story, <laughs> right? Eventually, he learned how to ride a bike. And no thanks to me. I think Janice actually probably took him out and was a little more gentle, a little more step by step. And, um, but the moral of that story is, I think in order to ride a bike or in order to learn things or in order, in order to experience something new, or if you're comparing it to the journey of life, right? There are things that we just don't know. That's reality. And as much as we try to control or try to research, or try to kind of examine, do cost-benefit analysis, analyses, and say, hey, I'm gonna hedge my bets. I'm gonna figure out what is the best way to go 
without damaging myself with with the greatest uh, possibility probability for success no matter how hard we try to control our situation life is a mystery there are mysteries in life there are pitfalls in life there are accidents that can happen there's tragedies that can happen we still undergo suffering our children still disappoint us our spouses still disappoint us we still disappoint ourselves and make mistakes and i think faith or discipleship is listening for the voice of jesus right and pedaling jesus says pedal and he says pedal and we're and you ask me what does this have to do with our passage luke 1:26 through 38 it's this is called in the church oftentimes the annunciation where the angel Gabriel comes down to Mary and says the whole plan lays out the plan not the whole plan but a part of the plan this is what's going to happen Mary you are going to get pregnant with a child and let's think about this if we if we were to do a google search on Mary the mother of Jesus or Mary just Mary right what do you think would pop up in the google images i did this so i know well what comes up is a lot of traditional art a lot of historical art about with mary and what does this art look like or of the annunciation you will see an angel right with a halo coming down gabriel and usually blonde hair right <laughs> blonde hair and blue eyes and shiny robes mary And you'll see Mary, not a 13 or 14-year-old girl as she probably was in this text, but as a 25, 26, 27, 28, 30-year-old elegant, graceful, perfect hair, halo behind her, flowing rose, a picture of confidence. I'm Mary, and I am obedient. Do to me as you will. I'm going to be the mother of baby Jesus and give birth to the savior of the world. I'm ready. Give it to me. A picture of confidence, a picture of grace, a picture of elegance, a picture of maturity, that strong model. And in different worshiping traditions, take the Catholic traditions for instance, the Catholics venerate Mary, right? To the point of praying to her. Um, other traditions will react to the Catholic tradition of venerating Mary and go to the exact opposite and totally ignore Mary and the Christmas story. Right? Mary, we don't want to lift her up too much, right? That's it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But I think Mary is a model disciple for us. Not because she's anything like glamorous or elegant or graceful not because she has a halo behind her head but because she's down and dirty and earthy a humble person at this time the empire janice and i just got back from a date night watching star wars so the empire is in my mind the empire the roman empire was casting its shadow on the land right and power it held power 
and the people of Israel were subject to the Roman Empire. Herod, who was the Jewish king underneath this Roman Empire, right, felt threatened by all these prophecies of a baby that was to be born, a Messiah who would be king of the Jews. And so we see later him uh, harassing people, committing atrocities, killing babies to seek after this Jesus who was born. So this, this, you have on the one side power, empire, hate, anger, fear, overshadowing the land. And then you have this story, this beautiful story that all of us know of an angel visiting Mary. And most, most experts look back and say, yeah, at this time in first century Judah, Israel, people would get married, women would get married at the age of 12, 13, and 14. Right? So just imagine your typical 12, 13, 14-year-old today. It's, a, it's, a, it's not the elegant woman with flowy robes and flowing blonde hair and a halo behind it, right? It's a girl, a girl. And it says that this girl uh, was from a town in Galilee named Nazareth. And we read later in the Gospels that Nathaniel, when he meets Jesus, or before he meets Jesus, it's mentioned that Jesus is from Nazareth, right? And what does Nathaniel say? Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth was a nobody place, a nowhere. And Mary was a nobody in a, from a nowhere. Right? And Joseph was also a nobody from this nowhere town. No one cared about Nazareth. It was a small town. Right? Simple people. And just a 12 or 13 or 14 year old girl being visited by Gabriel. And Gabriel, we've seen Gabriel in Scripture. In the Old Testament, we saw Gabriel in Daniel. He appears to Daniel as the messenger uh, of God to interpret a dream, a vision that Daniel has. And this dream, this interpretation, anticipates the Messiah. Right? We also see Gabriel at the top of this chapter, in chapter 1, speaking to Zechariah. Right? Coming and announcing, once again, anticipating the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's coming. And actually, your wife, you guys are old, right? And you have no kids. But you're going to have a kid. And he's going to be named John. And he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. That's, that's Gabriel, the angel. Gabriel announces the coming Messiah. He anticipates the coming Messiah. And this Gabriel um, is only one of three angels that are actually named in the Bible. But Gabriel comes to this 13, 14-year-old girl and says, Look it! Instead of this overshadowing of Rome and this great power, the power of the Lord, what does it say, will overshadow you. The Almighty God will overshadow you. And you will become pregnant 
with child. And this child is going to be amazing. Amazing. The Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And Mary, bless her heart, says, How can this be? I'm just a virgin. And I love this response because it's so real, right? It's so practical. Well, that's not going to happen. How's that going to happen? I'm a virgin. I'm engaged. She's betrothed. She's engaged to Joseph. And she knows that, oh, it's not acceptable for me. I haven't engaged in any sexual activity. I don't plan to engage in any sexual activity. That would be inappropriate. That would cause endangerment to myself, right? Back in those days, if a woman committed adultery, she could be, she would definitely uh, be scorned, be shamed, but it, it would also endanger her life, possibly. She could be taken out, tied up, and stoned to death. And so just this idea of being impregnated with a child as a virgin while being engaged to Joseph and being a 12 or 13, 14 year old girl. Just imagine when you were 12 or 13 or 14. Maybe this isn't a good comparison because we have like extended adolescence. So I'm 42, 40s is the new 12, right? (laughs) So it might not, maybe they were a little more mature back then. But anyways, she's just a girl. She's just a girl. And this message is really heavy. This is not good news. If this news came to any of us in her same situation, we'd be like, ah, get away. Let's get out of here. What are you doing to me? And I just think of, I've never experienced pregnancy, but I've been a husband alongside a wife who's been pregnant twice and gone and had two children. Nine months of, Susanna knows, nine months of like, man, something is taking control of my body and I feel out of control. And I have, I have to carry this out, right? Like, just imagine the disruption. And we think about Christmas as this happy time. And I'm not going to, we're going to end joyfully. But all right. It's this happy time. Baby Jesus, here comes Santa Claus. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, right? And we watch It's a Wonderful Life. And we watch Charlie Brown's Christmas. And we watch Die Hard and Home Alone and Sound of Music and... What else is there? Christmas story. <laughs> the Christmas story. All of these things, and they make us feel good. And it's about keeping the season bright, and silver bells, and dashing through the snow, and jingle bells, and frosty the snowman, and presents, right? And eating a lot of food, turkey. And yet, the Christmas story begins in Luke with a serious disruption. Right? This is not what you would, this is not an ideal situation, Mary. This is not something that you want, but it's happening. And you know what? It's happening physically 
It's going to happen physically to your body. of all that. I'm just a nobody girl from a nobody town. What is happening to me? By the way, this first part, there's a lot of stuff uh, interesting in the scripture. Uh, Gabriel the angel comes and says, you know, speaks to her, initiates, and then he says, do not be afraid, right? And you, and you hear this, you see angels coming or messengers of the Lord coming. Uh, the messenger comes to Gideon in Judges 6, do not be afraid, right? The angel visits the shepherds, right? The voice visits the shepherds later on, do not be afraid. When people come before the presence and the voice of God, it seems like they respond in fear, right? We don't see them, but we can imagine like, the presence of God, or what is this? I'm afraid. The angel sensing this and Mary says, do not be afraid. And this is actually a refrain over and over in scripture, right? As God promises the people of Israel, the promised land, I'll take care of you. What does he also says? Do not be afraid, for I will be with you. Do not be afraid, for I will be with you. Right? And here's the connection. Emmanuel, Jesus, you will call him Emmanuel, meaning what? God with us. Right? Jesus is the embodiment of God's promise, right? It's the fulfillment of God's promise. It was never the land. It was never the thing. It was Jesus, God, with us. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. As you're walking along in your life, and you're like, man, I need more money. I can't provide for my family. Or man, what's going on with the sickness I have? God, where are you? Do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. So that's one. The second thing, I like to make this connection between Hannah, Hannah, remember Samuel's mother, and Mary. Um, Later on, if you read the Magnificat, a lot of people will compare the Magnificat where Mary sings praise um, to God with Hannah's prayer in, in, uh, for Samuel um, because they're very similar, right? God brings down the, the proud and lifts up the lowly and thank you for seeing me in my lonely state and lifting up, right? Turning the tables of the world, right? It's that empire language. The empire, he's going to turn over the empire and lift up, lift up the poor, lift up the small, right? And if we remember from the Samuel story, when God calls, right? He called Samuel three times. Samuel, Samuel. And he thought it was his, right, guardian speaking, Eli. He thought it was Eli. Eli, Eli, you called me? No. Eli, Eli, you called me? No. Next time you hear that, say, God, it is I. Here am I. Here I am, your servant. 
And that's Mary's response. It's the response of the faithful servant, right? God calls, and the response of the faithful servant is what? Here I am, the servant of the Lord. And this is messed up, right? This is messed up. Who would do this? If you were married, would you be like, here I am, I'm your servant? We don't, we don't always see the whole picture, like I explained to the children. We don't see the whole path ahead of us, right? And the thing that we see in this passage at the end is that Gabriel just departs from Mary. Right? He doesn't stick around comforting her. Right? Oh, you're pregnant now, and you're 14. Your whole life is ruined. And what is Joseph going to think? He's probably going to get rid of you. The angel just takes off. He doesn't comfort her. Right? He doesn't say, it's going to be okay. Here's what's going to happen. Let me give you a detailed timeline of what's going to happen. We'll take care of you. The angel just takes off. And here's 12-year-old Mary, like, I'm pregnant. I got to tell Joseph what's going to happen to me. Right? The whole picture isn't told to her. But Mary's response to the angel Gabriel is, your will be done. It actually echoes Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? Not my will, but your be done. I'm your servant. Your will be done. Let it be done to me as you desire, as you command. And she doesn't see the whole picture. And we want a pretty bow in our life. We want God to tell us everything before we move. Because actually, we want to be gods of our own lives. We still want to be control, in control. Is that true or not? We still want to be in control of our lives. So, God, I used to pray growing up, God, Tell me what you're calling me to be. Let it be doctor, engineer, or lawyer. Not pastor. (laughs) And not a missionary. And I'd be afraid to pray. Like, what if he does say? Be a pastor like your father and be poor and suffer a long time of being a faithful servant. Right? And we, we pray these things and maybe we hear something like, oh, I think he's leading you into ministry. No, 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 no. Like, I'm so smart. I'm really good at math. That would be a waste, right? Why would you give me a mathematical mind? If you just wanted me to pastor. I don't need math to be a pastor, right? You gifted me. Why am I so good looking? I should be a model, a hand model, a foot model, right? No, it couldn't be. I need to see a sign, right? You need to strike me with lightning and I need to still live, right? And then I will go. You need to have five, not just double confirmation or triple confirmation. I want quadruple confirmation. I want four people at different times, at different uh, places, contexts in my life to say the same thing to me within a week, God. (laughs) Then I know you're speaking to me. Right? We want 
We want to know the whole thing and the whole picture. That's not discipleship, people. That's not following Jesus. Discipleship is saying, your will be done. Right? I don't see the whole thing, and frankly, this is really scary. I'm just a 12-year-old nobody girl from nowhere. Right? You can't build hope. You can't build a rebellion on nothing, on nobodies from nowhere. You can't change the world with this. Actually, that's how God works, right? And that's how movies work, by the way. <laughs> we love that because it speaks to our soul. There's something about this that it speaks real. It's real life. Mary is in the midst of real life. Yes, she got to see an angel. Yes, he made a huge proclamation. But he left her, and she's got the dirty details to deal with. And it's ugly, right? Her life is in danger. It's, it's literally in danger right now. And she still says, yes, I will obey. I receive it. So what about us? As we wait in Advent for the coming Jesus, the promise is that don't be afraid and I'll be with you. God will be with you. Jesus is present in your life. Do you believe this? Amen. Jesus is present in your life. And maybe things are hard. Maybe things are complicated in your life. Maybe you're scared about what that path, if you said yes to Jesus, what that path, where that's going to take you. Right? But Jesus says, I'll be with you. And there's going to be miracles along the way. I'll be present. And what an amazing picture the birth of Jesus is. And Luke and other parts of the gospel. Like random people, the shepherds, come and they just, it's just, they just worship right there on the spot when they see the baby Jesus. And these random magi from the east, right? we don't even know where they ended up going, where they're from. A lot of people say they're from uh, Persia, right? Iran, Iraq. Uh, but they come and they worship Jesus, bringing gifts. What? Like this humble, humble, humble child, God incarnate born in a manger right there wasn't even enough room the innkeeper had to be like wait a second i do have a place a barn you could stay in there if you don't mind right these are the details mary didn't see right even as she says yes even as god makes it possible even as her body is changing right 
She, what she doesn't see is her baby's going to be given birth in a manger where animals eat. What she doesn't see is they have to flee to Egypt as refugees because a mad king is wanting to kill their son. Right? Life is hard for them. There's no like, oh, shining stuff in that faithfulness. Oh yeah, joy. <laughs> but there's hope. And that's my message for us is, as Christians, we cling to a hope. We cling to the winning story. We cling to the overturning of evil. We cling to the overthrow of the empire. We cling to the rebellion. We cling to a revolution of hope. We cling to the one who will come and be victorious. We cling to power and miracles and hope and joy and peace and love and goodwill to men. Amen? Amen. Cling to that in this season. That's what it means for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate hope and new life and the power of God may manifest in the insignificant when the whole world is saying to you, ha, 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 no, 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 that's ridiculous, that's absurd, that's not going to work, that's weak, right? You are a nobody from nowhere. That idea, that dream is a nothing. It won't work, right? Your prayer, your little prayer you pray at night, nothing. Hope. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, born to us. Um, Help us to be faithful as you invite us, as Mary was invited to an adventure, You invite us to adventure um, with you and to a life of pursuing you and being with you. And sometimes the road is rocky and sometimes it brings disruption to our plans. But we want to be faithful. Help us to be faithful. But help us to be real too. Uh, as we wrestle with you, with the decisions we make and the choices we make and the paths that we take, I pray that you give us the strength to be faithful. In your name, amen.